What a great illustration and a terrific reminder that God works in us to bring about change. You know, Henry Blackaby wrote an iconic work called Experiencing God in which he talks about the fact that there are seven realities about God he identifies. And, and God has used this study to change, I would say, millions of lives around the world. And in this study, the very first reality that he identified is, he said that God is always at work around you. Do you recognize that? Have you ever thought about that? In your everyday walking around life, do you think about God, how God has protected you? Do you think about how God has provided for you? Do you think about his presence? When you look back on your life, whether it's a week or a month or a year or several years, do you look for God's hand in your life? Or is the past just the past and you got to let it go and you don't really, it's not really connected to the future? You know, most of the advice that we get about the past is that, you know, you really have to, you have to forget about the past. If you want to change the future, you've got to let go of the past. And that might be true in, in certain circumstances, but that doesn't mean that everything about the past should be forgotten. As a country, we celebrate Memorial Day and we celebrate Independence Day. Why? So that we can remember, but also to inspire us to greater things in the future. Now, is there someone in your life, perhaps as you're thinking back even now, you're thinking back, is there someone in your life, a family friend or a, a family member perhaps, that has, has been an encouragement, that encouraged you and inspired you to follow Jesus? For me, one of those persons was my father. And several years ago, my dad, uh, we were, Denise and I were at a church, we've been at it for about 10 years, and we were at that point where we were thinking, you know, maybe it's time for us to change churches. You know, you know you've been there. Don't look so pious. I know better. You've been there. Those times when you think, well, you know, the circumstances are such, maybe it's just the time to, to move on. And we talked about it and prayed about it. And I looked in Scripture and I couldn't find, you know, I, I looked in Scripture trying to find an answer, what, what we ought to do. And I talked to my dad and I said, uh, and I explained the whole thing to him. And he said something that I haven't forgotten. He asked me, well, where would you go? And I said, well, I, I don't know. Well, I, hadn't, you know. I hadn't really gotten that far. And this is what he said. He said, in my experience, God doesn't, <laughs> God doesn't lead you away from something. He leads you to something. And I've never forgotten that. And I've always remembered it. And even, I've even shared that with some of you as we've talked. Now, in Scripture, there is a terrific story in the Old Testament, this story is about 3,900, 4,000 years old, about the nation of Israel. And it's an illustration of how important it is to remember and remember God's working in your life and let that shape your future. Now, before we get to the story, let me give you a little bit of background. The nation of Israel hasn't always existed. It began with a man named Abraham. And God spoke to Abraham and he said, I'm going to make you a great nation. And not only that, I'm going to make every nation blessed because of you. So then you had Abraham. And then Abraham started having sons. He had Isaac. Isaac had Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. 
the youngest of which was named Joseph. It's a long story. I'm covering a lot of ground here in a very short amount of time. But the, uh, the brother, Joseph's brother, sold him into slavery into Egypt, as it turned out, in about 1900 B.C. In a phenomenal story, Joseph rose to power, and because of a very lengthy famine, Joseph's family ultimately migrated to Egypt with the blessing of the Pharaoh. Now, the family had been there for several years, perhaps, in fact, several generations, and the old Pharaoh died, new Pharaoh came to power. He looked at all these Israelites that were living in Egypt and frankly was a little bit intimidated by them. And he said, well, I've got to do something about that. And so he decided that he was going to enslave all the Israelites and that's what he did. And so for 400 years or more, the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt. About 430 years after that, or after 430 years after, they, after they'd been enslaved, um, God raised up Moses and spoke to him through a, through a burning bush experience and spoke to him and said, hey, I want you to lead the Israelites out of Egypt into this land that I promised Abraham a long time ago. And then God sent 10 plagues to give the Pharaoh some incentive to let his people go. Ultimately, there were about two, estimated about 2 million people, Israelites, that left Egypt and went uh, that left Egypt in slave, from slavery and went to this promised land that he, that he promised Abraham. God led them with a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. Now, about this time, the Egyptians decided, you know, I don't think it was such a good idea to let those guys go, all that free labor and stuff. And so they decided to send his army after the Israelites. And so the, the army started going after the Israelites, and the Israelites came to the point with the army behind them and this body of water in front of them, the Red Sea, and they were trapped. But God parted the Red Sea and they walked across on dry land. The Israelites did. By the time the Egyptians got to the, got to the water and were in the riverbed, the water collapsed on them and all, the whole Egyptian army drowned. Now, how many of you have seen the Exodus movie? Anybody? All right. Well, if you've seen that movie you know that biblical accuracy is not the objective of Hollywood, right? If you haven't seen that movie, just let me warn you that there are some things in their version of that story that aren't even in the living Bible, okay? So just be advised when you see that story. Now, in the desert, once they got across the Red Sea, in the desert, God provided manna for the people so they would have something to eat every day. And at least on one occasion, he had provided uh, water from a rock. Now, after some time, the Israelites came to the eastern side of the Jordan River. And just on the other side of the river was the land that God had promised to Abraham all those hundreds of years before. But there was a problem. There were people living in that land. Imagine that. There were people over there. And so Moses said, I'll tell you what, he got 12 spies together, and he said, I'm going to send them on a reconnaissance mission into the promised land, let them go scout it out, bring back a report, and we'll find out what's going on. So they're gone about 40 days. They come back, and they deliver their report. Now, it's since been declassified, so we have it in Scripture. So we're going to look at the report of these spies that came back from the promised land. It's in Numbers uh, chapter 13, verses 26 to 28. It says this. This is the spies. They came back to Moses and Aaron, and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. And they gave Moses this account. 
And they did it in the typical good news, bad news kind of scenario. I said, the good news is we went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's its fruit. I don't know. Maybe they had grapes the size of volleyballs. I don't know. But here's the fruit of the, of the promised land. But then they said, now, here's, here's the bad news. The people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. Now, of the 12 spies, two of them said, I think we can take this land. Come on, Joshua and Caleb. Two guys named Joshua and Caleb said, we can take this land. In fact, they said, Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. The other 10, however, it says in verses 31 31 to 33, said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report. The land we explored devours those living in it. And all the people we saw there are of great size. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. This was clearly a defining moment for the nation of Israel. Were they going to stay on this side of the Jordan River, or were they going to trust God and go on over? And interestingly, especially given their history with God, they chose to forget the things that he'd done for them, and they panicked. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. They saw the enemy as giants. And they didn't see God at all. Except for Joshua and Caleb. Now, don't you find it interesting? There is no dispute among the spies about the promised land, about the value of the promised land. It was everything that God had promised, and it was more. Nor nor did they differ in terms of the description of the people of the cities. The people were big and the cities were well fortified. But where ten people saw danger, two saw opportunity. What made Joshua and Caleb respond differently than everybody else? I think there's three things. And the first one is that they remembered how God had worked in their past. They remembered how... God had blessed them, how God had promised to Abraham and promised to Moses. They didn't have to remember back very far to remember how he delivered them. It had only been maybe six, eight weeks, a few weeks since they'd left Egypt. They didn't have to remember very far back to remember how he had brought them out of Egypt, how he provided for them, parted the Red Sea, given them manna, and all those things. Now, do you face a situation, or you find yourself in a situation where maybe you feel like a grasshopper? You're facing one of those decisions that is, frankly, just paralyzing. Or you're facing a situation that that has sucked all the oxygen out of your life. Can I tell you something? If that's where you are, realize that God has been working in your life to bring you to this point. Let me give you an illustration. Anybody know what this is used for? Anybody? For surveying, okay? Now, this is designed so that I can cite property lines or I can decide on a building so I can get the corner square or get the wall straight. And I don't know exactly how it works, but I believe it works on a principle that we studied in a, probably a first geometry class that you ever took, which is two points make a line, right? And so the objective here is that if I can cite up two points, then I can project the third point, and have it be consistent with these other two points. And the same thing is true spiritually. If I can side up my past, then I can see where God's leading me 
in the future? Has there been someone that intersected your life and through that experience you saw God in that? Or perhaps it was a situation that you had no control over, but looking back on it, you see God's hand. Or maybe it's one of those situations where it's just a crisis of belief and and you've got to decide, am I going to quit or am I going to go forward and trust that God is going to do what he's saying he's going to do. Use your memories, your God memories, to guide your past. Because let me give you a life principle here. God's leading now will be consistent with how he's led you in the past. Now, it may not be exactly what you had in mind. The timing may not be exactly what you had in mind. But God's leading in the future will line up with the past things that he's led you in. See, the the nation of Israel was poised to enter the promised land. They had traveled so far, and they had waited so long for this day. And that day they stood on the the banks of the Jordan River, and they remembered all that God had done for them. They remembered the promises that he had made. They remembered the miracles he had done. They remembered how he provided for them. But yet, they had to make a choice. Are we going to trust God this time? They had those memories, but are we going to trust God this time? And the promises of God were just on the other side of the Jordan River. But Moses had a problem on his hands. He had a revolt. If you read read the story, you'll find that the the people said, let's just go back to Egypt. This is too hard. We don't want to do this. Let's just go back to Egypt and let us die there. They got to the very precipice of all that God had planned for them, and they talked themselves out of it. We don't do that, do we? We say, well, I know that God has led me to go on a global adventure. But I wonder, can he protect me over there? Where I feel like God is calling me to to foster or to adopt. I know he's provided for me in the past, but if I do that, will he still be able to provide for me? What we're really asking is if, if is, if I'm obedient... Will God be faithful? Will you trust God this time? Will you allow your memories with God, your experiences with God, spur you to action? What made Joshua and Caleb different? First is they had had remembered God's working. Secondly, they had a glimpse of God's vision for them, and they were not willing to let it go. Yes, they'd heard about Abraham. Yes, they'd heard about Moses. But they had actually seen the promised land. They'd gone in there and they got its fruit. But then there's this majority opinion that was out there. Look in the next chapter of Numbers in 14. It says, Joshua and Caleb tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Joshua and Caleb didn't know that they were going to have to march around Jericho for a week for the walls to fall down. They didn't know how they were going to defeat the giants. All they knew was that God had given them a vision and they weren't willing to let it go. What vision has God given you? 
See, defining moments are, by definition, unique. They don't come around the same way twice. The people of Israel decided that they weren't going to go in, the, they weren't going to cross the Jordan River into the Promised Land. And when they realized their mistake, they tried to, they, they said, let's do it anyway. And God wasn't with them, and it was a rout. Ultimately, because of their lack of faith and their disobedience, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years until everyone that was associated with that decision to not go into the promised land was dead. They had another chance later to go into the promised land, 40 years later, and they took it, but it wasn't the same. What is your Jordan River? What is it that's keeping you from what God has planned for you? You may have another opportunity in the future, but it won't be the same. See, Joshua and Caleb were the only adults that made it from Egypt all the way into the promised land. The only ones. What made them different? What made them respond differently? They saw God's working in their life. They'd seen a glimpse of God's vision for them. But thirdly, they had faith in the power of a promise-keeping God. I believe that they decided, that, you know, if God can keep a six or 700-year promise to Abraham and from one guy create a nation of two million people, that's the guy we ought to ride with. And he's certainly capable of fulfilling every promise that he's made to us. Can I read some of the promises of our promise-keeping God? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Romans 10, 9 says, If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What a promise. Matthew eleven twenty eight and 29, Come to me, all ye who are weary and hardened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. In Philippians, it says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his riches, of the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Isaiah, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you, and I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And then in Romans 8, I'm going to ask us all to read this together, if you will. Put it up there, guys. Romans 8, 38 and 39. Okay. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels, nor demons, neither the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Could this be your spiritual defining moment? What faith step are your memories with God leading you to next? Will this be the year that you choose to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus? Will this be the year that you are more intentional about being missional both in northwest Arkansas and around the world? What faith steps are your God memories leading you to next? We're going to close this portion of the service with a video. And this video illustrates how God can use 
a person that is, that is willing to take these memories that he's seen, his experiences with God, and use those to inspire him to action. Watch this. If you just come every Sunday and you're just sitting in the chair and haven't really got to know Mike personally, like I've served with him over the years, gone to Africa, I've done day camp with him. He's crazy. He is silly and a big goofball and just like one of the kids. Probably never I would have thought Mike would ever become a minister. Uh, he had a Sunday school teacher uh, named Barbara Fleeman, and Barbara said to me after we ordained him as a pastor, she said, uh, Mike was in my class and said, uh, I thought many times about pinching his head off and tell God that he died. I told Mike, I said, Mike, uh, get out of it if you can. And, uh, and I meant by that, if you can get out of it, God didn't call you. And he said, just with the eyes just wide open, looking straight in my eyes, he said, God's called me. And so from that time on, I believed him. So I remember Mike from back uh, in about 1987. We went to high school together. Um, so I don't really remember a whole lot about Mike from my high school years, but I do remember that he was involved in the ministry. Now I was present at the what I think was the second sermon that Mike ever preached. And it was my first day on the job at First Baptist Rogers. So I, I witnessed that, and I'm going to tell you two things that you're going to find hard to believe. One, his sermon was 10 minutes long, and two, he had no PowerPoint. I wasn't there at that first sermon, but I heard one of the first sermons that he preached here in Rogers, and I thought that was an amazing sermon. And I think it was like maybe years into our marriage later that he told me that he didn't really come up with that sermon. He stole it like from Adrian Rogers or something and preached it and it was like, well, wow, okay. But you know, um, but even then, uh, even though it was a stolen sermon, there was something about his passion for God, the word, and just being able to put the cookies on the bottom shelf and making it clear um, to people. Um, it was awesome thing to watch, even when he was 17, to preach. My name is Tracy, and I met Mike uh, about 20, almost almost 23 years ago, actually. Uh, Mike was in seminary. He and Lori had just had their first child, and he was pastoring my church in a little town called Lakeview, Arkansas. You know, I don't get to see Mike very much anymore, uh, but I do get to kind of still watch his life from that, you know, that thing we all do, creeping on Facebook. So now I see he's all into Carmel Fit. You know, he's doing handstands everywhere he goes, and he's got the headband and everything. But back in the day when I knew Mike, the only thing I ever saw him deadlift was a cinnamon roll that was just about the size of a dinner plate. Uh, I'd like to say he just ate one, but that would not be completely true. But the moment that I think of most often when I think about Mike was a Sunday when uh, he was talking about international missions and I will never forget it because as he began to share that message on that computer screen there was guy in these webpage with a ticker of people who were dying and dying without ever hearing the name of Christ but what I remember most about it is it literally paralyzed him that Sunday and he couldn't speak and honestly he couldn't move and I just remember him saying, I have laid awake, and I have seen this in my head all night. And these people will never know the name of Jesus if somebody doesn't go 
and I believe that God is calling us to go. And it wasn't too long after he took the pastorate there. Jordan was three months old. He went to the Ukraine. Uh, the, the walls of communism had fallen down. People were coming to Christ just like fruit falling off of a tree. And he came back and I remember him sitting on our couch and saying, I think God may be leading us to go over overseas. And I remember thinking, you'll get over it. You know, <laughs> I've been on a mission trip. This is just a mission trip. You'll get over it. But God rocked his world. It, was, it wasn't long after that God rocked my world and kind of the marriage of our mission calling to get, came together. And it wasn't long after that that we took our two children at the time and moved overseas. Uh, my name is uh, I know Mike uh, uh, because he has done a lot of uh, things to me, more especially. He has mentored me, he has trained me, he has um, made uh, my life change. I really appreciate I thank God for, for him. From the time I met Mike, uh, he has trained me, he has trained me for some leaders in Africa, and I'm one of the leaders in I remember one time he had gone out to the village. Um, I was with, at that time then, our three children um, back at home. And I remember him coming back in and telling me how he'd gone out to this village and he met people for the first time who had never heard about Jesus Christ. And it would take weeks before Mike was able to actually go back out there. We were with him where he was able to say, let me tell you about Jesus, the Lamb of God, you know, who takes away the sins of the world. And um, our kids were there, you know, they got to experience that and see their dad um, be part of that. It's changed my life, it's changed their life. Um, so I watched him grow incredibly during those years. Um, we knew solidly God had called us here. We didn't know whether it was going to succeed or fail. Um, I saw the nervousness in Mike. I saw a little bit of the fear you know, is this, is this going to work? What, what have we done? What are we doing? Um, but uh, the calling was clear. I have been with Grace Point since the very beginning. Um, Mike has been my pastor since I was a young child. Mike baptized me in the swimming pool of a hotel in Rogers. I can remember, um, you know, Grace Point is like three months old, we're brand new in a school cafeteria. Um, there's probably, I don't even know, 40 people there, you know, which felt really big at the time. And he's preaching a sermon, and I don't remember what the sermon was about. Um, don't tell him that, he thinks I remember all of his sermons. But um, he's giving this illustration about grilling chicken. And he says, really serious, you know, it's like when you're grilling chicken and you take the thongs to flip the chicken over. And I'm sitting there, I'm thinking, did, did he just say thongs? I think he said thongs. I think he meant to say tongs. And so we we leave, we get in the, you know our van and go home. And I said, honey, I think you said something about thongs. Nobody had said anything to him. And about a week goes by and we go to check the mail one day and there's this big uh, manila envelope and he opens it up and there's a letter from one of the people from the church telling him something about his sermon. And they had put in there two of these like trog quadruple sized thongs, you know, in this envelope. And so there's just things like that that happen that, you know, it's not something that you go around telling, you know, a lot of people about. He called me out of the blue. I've never heard of Mike McDaniel before. 
and I was sitting in my dorm at OBU and he just said, hey, I need a youth pastor now, a part-time youth pastor, are you interested? I was really excited about the opportunity and, but I told him, I said, I have a year left of school still, can you wait a year? And um, he couldn't and so he gave me two options, one, you could transfer or two, I'll, I'll explore you driving up every weekend to do ministry. And as crazy as that was, um, I wanted to do that. Now, somehow, he decided to hire me after I submitted the most ridiculous resume ever. He still has it on file. And this resume went something like, I love student ministry, I love Bono, I love the Cardinals, and I love flip-flops. Like, that's about the gist of this incredible resume that, uh, that he saw, and so <laughs> if, anybody's ever taken a chance on anyone, it was Mike taking a chance on me. And uh, so I don't know what everyone gets to see from a Sunday to Sunday, but if you spend any time with Mike, and if you spend as much time as I do or any of our staff people do with Mike, um, you know it's not about him. And you know that it's like there's a culture of none of us are qualified to do what we do. But God has called us to this, so we're going to do it to the best of our ability. But the first time I remember ever specifically seeing Mike is he went out for a handstand push-up against the wall and literally fell through the wall. Um, just, of course, everybody in the gym laughs. Um, he went up again and did it again. And, and it kind of, hey, Mike needs some help. You know, let's go over and talk to Mike and, and get him to understand that maybe he doesn't need to do handstand push-ups yet. We could do something else. With Mike, you, you see the influence he has on people. You, you see that, that he draws, not necessarily he draws, but, but God draws people to him through Mike because of his message. And, and you see that with all a lot of people that we know together. You know, a lot of people at the gym, not just at the gym, but just those examples that, that people are here because they see God's love. And, and you see many people coming to God because of the love that's seen and that, that what Mike does um, just in his generous actions and, and what he does and how he talks. The grin Mike keeps on his face when he meets people, when he's walking around the office, just shows his heart for people. He was a guy that was going to put his arm around you, you know, he's going to pray for you, give you some words of encouragement. Traveling with Mike to West Africa, I realized that the guy that I see preaching in front of me on Sunday is the same guy that I saw in West Africa in the bush. I think um, Mike's passion and his obedience for the word and sharing the word and pouring the word out to others, um, his passion for the world, being on mission no matter where he is, whether it's right here in Northwest Arkansas or in Africa, that is his passion and it has changed me and made me want to do that too, made me want to take that journey with him, to step out and, and realize that no matter where I am, whether I'm treating a kid in physical therapy or at a school or right here at church, that my job is truly more to be like Jesus, to tell about Jesus, to share those stories, which is exactly what Mike has been pouring into us, to, to say step out and, and share. He's a guy that's a good demonstration of what God can do when he realizes that it's not about himself, it's about what God wants to do through him. I can point to him as an example, I think, to other young men and say, this is what God can do to, with someone who completely surrenders to God's will. 
He could only have done this thing with, with the help of God. Because Mike stepped out of the mission field and came and started Grace Point, now my future is going back into the mission field to tell people about Jesus. Because of Mike, I'm a better person, I'm a better Christian, and I feel closer to God. My early ministry that he had has made a forever impact on my life, and, and it changed the heart of our church as well. Well, I believe that Mike's obedience to God and Mike being here at Grace Point is the link that connected me to a lifelong dream and to uh, fulfilling my mission to go on a global adventure and tell people about Christ that have never heard of Him. Because of Mike's obedience in God, it has showed me an amazing example of what obedience should be like. And I've taken that and I've passed it on not to myself, but also to my family. And we are walking with that in life and passing that on to another culture. You know, in a lot of ways, it seems like we're honoring a man, but I know, and I know that my husband knows, um, that it's not just about honoring the man, but it's about honoring what God can do in a man who is deliberately obedient and just hands open, God, whatever you want me to do, I will do. It's about honoring what God does in that kind of man. So he has no idea, had no idea. And uh, we've completely, <laughs> uh, we've completely hijacked this service. It was really hard this whole uh, last two weeks as we were planning this Sunday and everything he was wanting to do and everything we were knowing we were going to do and just glad you weren't preaching because we would have just, I don't know, had to pull you off, but um, Mike has been in ministry for 25 years, and that's what we're celebrating this morning. And um, we're celebrating this not in a finish line sort of way. Uh, from day one, when Lori came to Carrie Abbott and I and said, I want to celebrate this, but here's what I don't want to do because he will kill me. He will hate this, and he will, will vomit at this, is this whole, like, finish line, hey, you made it 25 years, like, way to go, and um, what drives Mike and what gives Mike just a desire to keep going forward is seeing and hearing the stories of what his ministry has done and impacted in the lives of people and that God has used him to inspire action uh, for you and for people all around the world. And uh, so we've been hiding this for a couple weeks now. And um, so we're, we're celebrating you um, today. And it's not about Mike's name. Um, he knows that and we know that. Um, it's about the glory of Jesus Christ and his kingdom, and that's what we're celebrating this morning. And just as Joshua and Caleb came to the Jordan, and they remembered all that God had done in their lives, so this morning we're remembering all that God has done through Mike um, in those 25 years, and uh, there's power 
There's power in remembering. Jesus said, do this, take this bread and this wine and do this in remembrance of me. And that remembering inspired his disciples into action in the Great Commission when he said, go and make disciples of all nations, teach them everything that I've obeyed and remember that I'm with you always. That remembering inspires action. So I want us to respond this morning. Uh, This is our response time. So when you came in this morning, you were given a card. You can break that card out now. I think it's you were handed handed it to you. If you didn't get one, I think you can get one in the back really quick. So on that card, um, on that card, we want you to write Mike's name in because Mike, and you heard the stories this morning, because Mike did this, I'm now doing this. And I know that there are stories and stories and stories around this room of everything that Every person that's been impacted by the life of Mike McDaniel, whether it's just been maybe today and you saw a story of someone committing their life to the Lord and how the chain reaction and the effect of 61 churches planted by one missionary, right? And little tiny churches in Lake City, Arkansas that have forever been changed. And so maybe today, maybe this is your first time here with us. This is not what our normal Sundays are like, but we want you to Just reflect on anything that Mike has done. Maybe it's been in a sermon or a conversation he's had with you or just something you've seen in his life that has inspired you into action. So we're going to take a few minutes here and uh, we're going to reflect and we're going to respond and we're going to write. And once you have that written, uh, there are tacks up here on the stage. We want you to walk up on the stage and we just want you to put that on here and uh, and just respond to the greatness that God has done uh, through Mike in your life. So we're going to do that right now.
Wow. Let's celebrate what the Lord has done this morning. And through Mike, let's celebrate him. hates every one of you right now for this. I promise you. Um, would you guys, your whole family, would you just come up, man? And um, um, he has said this many times to me. Um, I've been on staff for nine and a half years, and we've had some good and rough goes at it. And um, But I just am so grateful. Um, for just being reminded every day I walk in the office that we're unqualified, that we're all unqualified. And through your learning disability and not having a father figure, you know, early in your life and, and just the, I mean, um, just that incredible story of what God can do through a willing heart and spirit. And um, so, but he said this often is where there is no vision, people perish, right? Nehemiah. And um, Mike has always had a vision and we have struggled throughout the years of getting through that vision, and we continue to struggle, but God is just, or Mike is just headstrong in knowing what God has called him and his family and this church and you guys to be and to go and to do, and it's right up here on this board, um, to be inspired into action, to be fueled, to go, and to live out your faith, and for it not just to be about building this building or building up Mike's name or Grace Point being the greatest thing in town. It's not about that. It's about Jesus doing greatness through you. That's what fuels him. And uh, so, um, this, the, you guys, this is not going to be a surprise in the second service, so this is really cool. Um, but, um, but we're going to do this in the next service as well, and uh, we're going to fill this board up with cards of people who have been inspired to move and to change. And we've got a book here also for you that all of these are going to go into um, just for him to uh, remember. But, uh, man, you're my pastor, you're my leader, you're my mentor, you're my friend, and I'm so grateful for you, and I'm so grateful for your family, um, and um, it's, uh, I'm just, I'm, I don't know what to say. There's nothing to say. It's 25 years, and what you've done in my life is more than what many have done in 50, and um, so I'm, I'm really grateful for that. So this is what we want to do this morning. Um, we want to actually commission Mike and commission him to just continue to go. Like I said, this morning is not about finish line. This is the starting blocks. And this is the starting blocks for him. This is the starting blocks for you this morning that we would go and that we would move. And just as we send out our teams into all around the world, we're going to commission him this morning. So I'm going to ask Randy to do that. And actually, I'm going to have you guys walk down on the floor. I apologize. And we're going to pray over you guys this morning. So um, church, would you just come and surround them and pray over them and commission them this morning? You know, as I was thinking about this time, and, and you think about the story that we heard this morning about Moses and Joshua and Caleb and the Israelites, I was reminded there came a time before the Israelites had crossed the Jordan River 
and Moses died. And it was time for Joshua to take up the mantle of leadership. And God's words are recorded in the first chapter of Joshua that God spoke a blessing over Joshua and a challenge to him. I'll read just a couple of verses. This is God speaking to Joshua. It says, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And that's the blessing. And that's the commissioning that we want to leave with Mike this morning. So let me pray for us. Father, what an awesome reminder of how you work in our lives to bring about change. Not just in Mike's life, but in the life of every person. Particularly those that call you Lord. How you work in our lives, Father, to bring about more than we could possibly imagine. So I pray a blessing on Mike and his family. But Father, may we do that for your glory. Because Father, at the end of the day, it's all about your glory. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is the crescendo of the story of God's glory. And Father, may we remember that. And may that inspire us to action. For everybody here, there may be a different things that we're inspired to. But may we remember how you've worked in our lives. Remember the influence that people have had on our lives. People like Mike. And then may that inspire us to be what you've called us to be. To cross over that Jordan River to what you have planned for us. For it's in your son's holy, holy, holy name I pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Let's celebrate the Lord this morning one more time. Amen. Okay. Hey, we love you guys, and it's not church without announcements and offerings. So on the way out this morning, you can give your offering to the ushers on their way out, okay, as you guys leave. And don't forget, North Point's coming up, Bible study methods, go sign up for that. Gary Thomas is going to be in in February. That's exciting. And go visit the Go Center this morning. We love you guys. Have an awesome day.